Hello, welcome to Cerebral Flex Podcast. Uh, this is episode 16, The Different Forms of Government. We are your hosts, Jareth R.R. Blackstar and Nam One Sakati. And I uh, wrote it backwards down there if you look at the screen uh, so you can see what it actually says and what my name, my rap name actually means. Are you writing so, things backwards like a Satanist? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So um, today we'll be going over the different uh, forms of government, like I said, but we'll be giving you a brief um, description and then we'll go into depth about our thoughts, um, you know, like we always do. Extrapolate. And I kick this bitch off with uh, direct democracy, um, which is different than democracy. So a a direct democracy, um, something they had back in uh, Greece. Uh, I don't know. Do they have it in Rome as well? I'm not sure. Um, it's also called pure democracy. It's a form of democracy which people decide on policy initiatives directly. So you and I would have a voice in the government. Right. Um, and this differs from the majority of currently established democracies, which are representative democracies like we have in the United States. Right. So, yeah, de- a normal democracy like we have now is a system of government by the whole population via eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. So we give our vote to people we trust or kind of trust, and then they run off and uh, get bought out by richer people and then... <laughs> policy not for us anymore uh, <laughs> welcome yeah. to democracy so uh what what are your thoughts on that jared i mean i it's the ideal form that the founding fathers and people who have established democracies have kind of always had in mind um the greeks i mean to this day we still teach greek philosophy like they're some of the greatest uh philosophers of mankind so uh their system of government seemed to work well for them um i think that it would work really well especially in our modern day and age um there'd be easier ways to go about forming a direct democracy just because of the way technology is advanced it's given more people a voice Mm -hmm. um and so i think that if we could get over our old partisanry and forms of doing things that uh it's it's the most ideal because everybody has a say and it's fair-ish. Um, obviously, you're always going to have people that uh, are excluded or well, not excluded, but their their ideas aren't. Um, uh, not that everybody's ideas are the best either, but their ideas aren't always um, considered because they're outvoted by the majority. But in terms of fairness, it's the most fair system. Yeah, I would just be concerned about like trolls you know there's just people out there that just want to fuck with the system so that there'd be people that just vote in horrible ways just for the fuck of it yeah that, like that's definitely true or people that would like hack the system to give votes for all sorts of shit since like you know conservatism is dying out and uh i mean i guess religion people are getting more religious in the country at least it's plateaued as far as falling off but mm-hmm. um I still think they're the minority as far as politics goes in most countries. We're getting more liberal as a world. You know, people are seeing they're taken advantage of by the right and by the rich more often. And there's less incentive to be part of uh, a party that only protects the elitists 
directly, even though now, you know, the DNC and the Democrats here protect the wealthy, just like the <laughs> conservatives do elsewhere. Um, uh, I just be worried about hacking and trolls, really. I think I think the um, the concern of hacking is mainly imperialist propaganda. Um, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, like the whole argument of Russians hacking the election and giving Trump Trump tons of votes and stuff like that. Like, I think it was mainly unfounded Trump hysteria. Um, but I'm thinking more on like a global scale too. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think if you just had direct democracy in one country it would work very well because eventually that country is going to deteriorate. But if we had like a one world system government, I mm -hmm. think that uh, direct democracy would be the most appealing as opposed to like a dictatorial state. Um, just because then literally everybody has a voice. Um, but as far as like countries as they stand nowadays, I, I doubt it would happen. Um, mainly because the corporatists always seem to win wherever they can get their foothold. Um, but yeah, I don't find hacking a super big concern. Trolls, yes and no. Cause like how many people are actually going to troll about certain things? Um, <laughs> silly cameras yes um so trolls yes and no um because you're always going to have trolls you're always going to have people who vote for harambe in the election or whatever yeah. <laughs> it's a little amusing actually um <laughs> if you say so <laughs> i don't know i i think it's i think it's slightly funny um but yeah hacking i, I wouldn't be overtly concerned about and i think if we ever did get to a point where we had like a borderless one world government direct direct democracy would definitely be the most ideal. Um, yeah. But I in mean, practical application, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's kind of uh, the utopian dream. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, if we had like a resource based economy and yes. a one world government and no borders and, you know, everyone's basically learning each other's languages till it, evolves into one language everyone's speaking but it's all like a part of everyone mm -hmm. and everyone's cultures kind of melted together and became like the futuristic culture it'd be the shit i just don't dope. think it's possible because there's just too many greedy assholes competing for number one and as long as there's people that want to be number one there's never going to be a world you know peaceful united front thing going on you know it's you know, yeah. there's always going to be politicians and lawyers and businessmen and people that just want to exploit others to be more comfortable. Well, and as far as like direct democracy goes, too, I've actually been learning a little bit. Um, there's this one guy who does like theory and philosophy on YouTube. His name's Plastic Pills. He has a channel. It's pretty cool. It's pretty, uh, pretty high tech, too. Like he has really cool graphics and shit. His videos look amazing. Um, and right now he's going to be releasing, I think in the next month, he's going to be releasing uh, this video called Project Cyberson. And it's all about um, the Chilean government in 1970 um, mm -hmm. and cybernetics and how they built this cybernetic network to the point where people like the workers, like working in factories and their working conditions and stuff like that, like they could send messages directly to the government about their level of happiness um, and then as Chile at the time, their uh, president was a socialist. Um, 
and so like then they would come in and the government would come in and they would fix the um the factories or they would buy them out and nationalize them and stuff like that um and they had like a real like socialist um utopia going at around with like cybernetics and stuff like that which kind of leads into this idea that um if we ever did get to a point where direct democracy is a thing like the basic concept is like when it comes to the political field is like on Amazon, people care about products, right? So you go to buy something off Amazon and you look at the rating, you see how many stars it has and what problems people have had with it and what great things people have to say about it. And if you put that into like a political sphere, right? Um, you could foreseeably when you go to vote for your politicians and stuff like that, look and be like, how many stars does this fucker have? Yeah, no, there's okay. no reason. There's no reason that big data analytics couldn't be used for, governments right and so chile was one of the first ones to kind of implement it in a socialist reformation kind of way and then um the chilean bourgeoisie class who owned all the factories that the government was taking and giving the rights of labor over to the workers uh they went to um their u.s contractors and big government people who then went to nixon and he wrote the cia a blank check to uh go fuck chile and its president up and we gotta yeah. do, we gotta do an episode on CIA intervention intervention in uh, yeah, South American socialist been, countries. Been purposely pushing off anything dealing with the intelligence community. <laughs> yeah, um, but that that leads us into uh, socialism since uh, you brought up Chile. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to give people a rundown of that is uh, socialism is a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates what that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Um, and that is not something ran by the state. It is ran by the people, um, a real socialist government. So there's a bunch of different socialist governments all over the world. In so- South America, they pretty much become oligarchical socialist uh, slash dictatorship type things going on there. Um, Argentina, Venezuela, things like that. Um but like in Europe, you know, the Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, um, those guys have it down, man. Like <laughs> they, they, they are like my um, go to when I look for as good as a government can get. But mind you, their populations are much smaller than ours. So it's kind of easier to accomplish what they've done. Um, but yeah, the people have a say there and socialism is compatible with democracy. So that's another thing there is social uh democracies and democratic socialism and yeah um south america had good like you said cia went and fucked them up and <laughs> now they're all destabilized and and they have pretty much dictators that nobody yeah, it has was, it was interesting because europe was fairly um i would say more conservative pre-world wars um and then during like the 60s through the 70s uh south america had like this odd transformation of like um socialist um uprisings um a lot of them were in connection with some communist states um and we were also having the cold war so the red scare you couldn't have socialism around um but really the big fear from people with socialism in south america was the fact that um if all of these foreseeably poor brown countries uh, could have socialist utopias where 
workers had means of productions and better rights and better working conditions and the land couldn't be exploited. That was another big thing. South America has a lot of precious materials that uh, big corporations in the North like. Um, So if the workers had seized the means of production back, uh, their working conditions were better. um, Their bargaining power was better and they were living in a state that has songs, strong social safety nets for, the majority of individuals that were disaffected, um, that would be bad because at the time America was a big industrial booming country um, that had had the New Deal, but we were still a big manufacturing company, um, and we didn't have as strong social safety nets as some of these. Uh, communist or socialist South American countries had. Um, so seeing that as a threat and also a threat to American business and enterprise, um, the White House pretty much gave the CIA blank checks for uh, dozens upon dozens of different um, operations to overthrow uh, democratically elected officials and uh, democratically elected socialist parties um, and stage a bunch of military coups, um, destabilize the entire South American region, install puppet dictators that would uh, that would write deals that would be good for North American businessmen in America in general. Um, is install military dictators, and they also heightened the drug war um, significantly too. So. And you can find all this online. Like most of the documents on this have been declassified now. It's pretty common knowledge. Um, I think if you even go just like type in like CIA South American coups, like it's over several dozen (laughs) ranging from like the 60s through the 80s. So um, they didn't want socialism too close to home. But then post-World War II, Europe kind of went through like a crisis because they'd had world war one and world war two where a bunch of young men went off and fought and died. And they were kind of doing this, uh, re-examination of, uh, what they were doing with their societies. And you had the big postmodernist French movement that the conservatives always like to piss and moan about, um, which questioned the state and how it interacts with people and power. And you started to see a socialist element um rising up in europe um the interesting thing about europe is they have a very strong they have several countries which have very strong social programs um which obviously you have to compensate through higher taxes Um, but they've also somehow learned how to integrate um these social policies with uh capitalism um obviously they're not anywhere near the gdp or uh buying power that the u.s has Um, but the biggest fear with having capitalist social states is eventually capital wins out over the social programs. Uh, you see talked about all the time right now here in the States, uh, we have social security and Medicare and, uh, they are always talking about cutting social security and mil, uh, Medicare, but then they go and raise the military budget by 20 to $40 billion every year. Um, and you don't really have that problem in most other European countries, but that's kind of the fear of a socialist capitalist country 
is that eventually capital and the oligarchs will win out. So it's an ideal form of government if you're looking at it just from a social aspect. Um, but when the capital aspect comes in, it kind of makes it a little bit more tricky. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at like quality of life. Um, like Canada, Denmark, Sweden are the top three, and they're all socialist. So, I mean, their populations are, of course, smaller. Um, you got, I think, what, 37 point something million people in Canada. You got 5.8 million people in Denmark and like 10.3 million people in Sweden. So it's a lot easier to control. Right. Um, and I, I, I feel like they're not as greedy. I feel like they do have an open um, <coughs> mindset for other well, people. I think here in this country, we're just like, you know. Maybe, maybe less so Canada. Uh, Canada right now has... Um, Canada doesn't have a two-party system. They have, I believe, six major parties. But even Canada right now, um, the party that's in power is pretty much, they're pretty much in line with the Democrats that we have now. They're corporatist Democrats. Um, mm -hmm. And they have a really strong right-wing conservative party that has a decently large base. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say, um, as far as Canada goes, that- They hate on each other like we do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't see it. I guess I don't hear about Canada often, though. No, no, you don't. <laughs> most Canadians are like most Americans are like, oh, Canadians are nice. But there is some uh, especially when you go by like province breakdown and stuff like that. There are some very uh, fascist white nationalist sectors in uh, Canada. Canada, I think, is going to have a real problem in the next 20 years because I do think that they're kind of poisoning themselves. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I think they're kind of poising themselves with Australia and England to be like the new world superpower, kind of a trifecta superpower. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to have a real problem with um, strong conservative movements once that comes, because it kind of seems like once you become a global power, yeah. um, you automatically kind of have to lean further right and be more conservative because now your resources are more spread out. Yeah, you have to be more um, protectionist in nature. Right. Um, so that's where you can like see the um, the ideals of like isolationism, like uh, like just pull out of every country. And uh, like you hear that all the time with the U.S. Pull out of every country and invest all your resources at home. And while that sentiment is a it is a, an idealistic sentiment, it is not a realistic sentiment in the world that we currently have. Um, because if we were to pull out of um, all of our military bases and just abandon them and just focus all our resources at home, um, things at home would get better, but things in the world would start to get more messy because you would have other superpowers like China and Russia um, and possibly even uh, India or Saudi Arabia trying to take over. And yeah, Unfortunately, I, I, I'm not an imperialist by any means. I, I'm not. Um, but if we're talking about it on a global, on a global scale, I understand why the U.S. is as spread out as it is, and why it might be too idealistic to say just bring everybody home. Um, even though I do want that, but isolation isolationism does tend to lead to the downfall of societies because. Again, it goes back to the the greed thing you were saying. Um, there's always going to be somebody who wants more of the pot than they should. Um, right, but 
I also wanted to point out trade. Isolationism also has to do with trade, not so right. much about war. And like a lot of places we have our military installations is to protect where we trade and to exactly. protect our trade routes. So if we brought all the military home, um, our trade routes would diminish. It wouldn't just be about like holding things in a physical sense. It'd be about, you know, China and India, like you said, would come in, but not only with military, they'd come in and, and sweep up our trade routes. Right. And I mean, Germany, I think they did pretty well until they, you know, started killing everyone um, as far as like bringing all their resources in yep. during uh, before World War II. Mm -hmm. Their isol isolationist uh, philosophy would have been for the better had they not started just hating on everyone else. You know, this whole it's the Jews, it's this, it's that, you know, they're not Aryan. I think I do have I, I have isolationist uh, thoughts of my own. Like, I, I don't like that we're so involved in all these countries and that we're pissing off all these people and making future enemies. And I think it's a bad idea. But like you said, if we, you know, there'd be a vacuum. If we just left now, there'd be vacuums all over the place. And then other people would step in and do the exact horrible shit we're already doing. So it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't matter, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are solutions that need to be thought of and discussed when it comes to global policy and trade. Um, but there are more pressing issues at the moment that we as a human race probably should um, be talking about as far as how to get off a lot of the fossil fuels that are making this summer unbearably hot. Um, there's a drought on the uh, East Coast right now. No, sorry, West Coast right now. Um, there's droughts in 120 plus degree days all over the Middle East. Um, it is is very hot, and then we're going to get hit with a very cold winter because that's how global warming works. People don't tend to think about that. They think, oh, like it just gets really hot and it's hot all the time. No, you still have the seasons because, you know, the uh the earth and its access and the rotation around the sun and all that stuff so it just means that in the winter your uh winters are going to be a lot fucking colder because all the ice caps have melted and now all that uh that cold weather is just coming further and further south that's why you're seeing things like texas freeze over and stuff um yeah. so global warming is it's a very bad way of uh phrasing it to people because people are simple-minded they think warming they think right. it gets hot <laughs> and they also don't understand how the the heat's being trapped in the ocean so even if we stop doing what we're doing it's still trapped there for three decades and they they don't realize that all the seasons like you said are more extreme yep. it causes more earthquakes sinkholes hurricanes tornadoes everything you're seeing happening is because of quote-unquote global warming right. but i think climate change is a better way to sum it up i mean the yep. climate is changing and then you can't you don't need to have the argument of whether it's human cause or not who the fuck cares just fix the problem like if mm -hmm. you look at um maps of the earth when you were a kid mm -hmm. how many spots were more green yeah and now it's just like desert is m like half of africa that wasn't like that before like asia looks like shit everything's turning into a desert while we're you know making sure we get the new iphone everybody's on some other shit and they don't want to be quote unquote woke which means right. just you know, being aware. So what the fuck is wrong with being aware? I don't even know. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. That leads yeah. me to communism. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, the last thing I'll say on that is it's good to know about all these different political systems and it's good to talk about um, political theory because you want people to um, have a form of government that works for them. But as far as implementing something like worldwide, um, it's a little too idealistic at the time and there are some issues that are facing us currently that are a slightly bigger threat. That doesn't mean that at home you can't push for broader socialist policies and stronger social programs we can definitely do that um can we yeah we, we can we snubbed bernie's ass twice so i don't i don't know i, I feel I, like we tried i i don't i don't think that um bernie sanders is um well okay we could talk about social democracy for a minute so bernie's a socialist he likes to use the term socialist democrat i hate all these phrases um because there are a bunch of scare words um, for idiots. For but if, idiots. You actually, if you actually know the definitions, then you won't be scared of any of these words. Right. And that's why we're giving you these definitions. <laughs> but so social Democrats, they're essentially socialists that are uh, in favor of strong social programs, but are still capitalist. Um, mm-hmm. So again, kind of like Denmark and um, Scandinavia and all those countries. Um, so what, Bernie advocates for is strong social safety nets. So more spending on education, more spending on childcare, taking more of the taxpayers dollars and investing it back into the people, which is a, a a good thing. And Um, making sure when you retire, you can, you know, die with dignity as he always says, you know, exactly have enough money to survive when you're retired and you can retire at an earlier age because your government actually gives a shit about you. Uh, um, Medicare we'll for get- all too, um, <laughs> is another big one. And that one's actually a really good one that we don't tend to think about because when we think about GDP and debt, um, we we're thinking of exponential growth, but then you also have debt. If you eliminate the healthcare system as it currently stands, then all medical debt goes away because the government is then going to foot the bill. So nobody will ever be in debt because of medical bills. So that's automatically going to help your GDP growth rate. And it's going to help your, um, how much in debt you are. Same thing with college education. A lot of the national debt is taken up due to college education. I think it's over a trillion dollars now in student loan debts, um, which is mind boggling. It's getting, it's getting up there. So if you have these strong social safety nets where you're investing in your people, you're also eliminating a lot of the debt that people have, which then enables them to go out and spend more, which is what you want to continue to grow your economy, uh, because we live in a consumerist economy. Yeah, one point seven trillion in student debt at, at the end of twenty twenty, according to the Federal Reserve. So almost two trillion in student yeah. debt. Yeah. Um. So if you have free public college, you're wiping away one point seven trillion dollars of your your debt. Um. I don't even know what the medical debt is. I don't even look it up because it'll just depress me. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to know what the medical debt is because I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you worldwide we spent $6.8 trillion in, in healthcare expenditures today so far, and it's 1030 a.m. Um, I know you didn't want to know, but now you know. What? For other countries? All the countries combined. Mm. The counter says $6.8 trillion. Wow. Yeah. Go to Worldometer. Check that shit out. Mm. Fucking awesome. I, I, I live on that thing. I love that thing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but back to the Bernie point. I think Bernie, um, I think Bernie's a 
good person to get people fired up. But as far as like a leader, I don't think that he's very good. I think he's pretty ineffectual. Um, I think, especially when it comes to the 2020 election, he held back a lot more than he did in the 2016 election. Um, and he kind of fed into the lie that, uh, I think he kind of feels responsible for shitting on Hillary so much and for Trump winning. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he went a lot easier on Biden and a bunch of other corporatist Democrats than he should have. Cause he was a lot less fiery than he yeah. was in 2016. Um, I think that he is a decent person. And I think that he believes the thing he says, I just don't think he's willing to fight for them over the threat of, uh, Donald Trump coming up or being hated, which is, it's hard to be hated. It's, it's hard to have all of your colleagues hate you. Um, but what I wish he would realize is that people are going to hate him regardless of whether he bends over backwards for them or not, just because he's a progressive. Um, so if you could make yourself realize that, um, then you can maybe actually fight the revolution and, and, shift political change um i'm still hoping that aoc and some of these newer democrats will uh grow a spine and stop playing uh machiavellian politics and and actually try to get some shit done but we'll yeah. see <laughs> yeah not likely i mean anyway that, so, that kind of leads us into communism with the whole yeah so i like i like the joke uh if you go far left enough you get your guns back and yeah. that's what communism is <laughs> So what's communism? Yeah. What's the Wikipedia definition? Um, a political theory derived from Karl Marx advocating class war and leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their abilities and needs. And just before you get into that, the difference between communism and socialism is that under communism, most property and economic resources are owned and controlled by the state rather than individual citizens. And under socialism, all citizens share equally in economic resources as allocated by a democratically elected government. Socialism is compatible with democracy and liberty, uh, as Bernie Sanders was trying to tell us, but, you know, the right wing shut him down. Whereas communism involves creating an equal society uh, through an authoritarian state, which denies basic liberties. Uh, Democratic socialism in the West involves participating in democracy to seek an incremental reduction in inequality. So all those crazy socialists out here like myself, um, I mean, I probably would say I'm an anarcho-socialist, but I know that's not very practical in today's world. But I don't think there needs to be people telling us what to do all the time. But after Trump's little moment, I'm doubting that. I thought people had more common sense. Um, you know, going around screaming how great your orange fucking idiot is and like waving huge stupid flags and don't tread on me bullshit when you own the world already. I don't think people can be trusted to, uh, you know, live without being told what to do. (laughs) I think people are fucking morons at this point. And the left didn't do any better by snubbing uh, Bernie and putting in a corporatist government. I mean, I'm just as much angry at the the dnc as i am the gop and i think we're being ran by a bunch of children well the thing that was so infuriating about the 2020 election with uh with um the democratic side is the blatant um the blatant corruption when it came to counting votes in the iowa caucus to take away a massive win for bernie and giving it to pete 
um, just to try to kill the Bernie Roy wave. Um, yeah, that, the, that was upsetting. The converted effort in North Carolina um, with Biden working with um, a bunch of black politicians um, to pretty much win him the black vote in North Carolina, um, which then Bernie had technically won the first three. Biden won the fourth by a large margin. Um, and then for whatever reason, that seemed to like kill the Bernie wave in the media. He also had the, the media completely against him. Um, and then the concerted effort by Obama calling Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, who were taking away votes from uh, and also Bloomberg taking away votes from Biden, splitting up the because the, the hope was with the corporatists all running against each other, they were going to all eat up the corporatist votes because you're going to have the normie lefties voting for. Well, I like Pete because um, he's young and he's gay and he reminds me of Obama or I like Amy because she's a woman or I like Biden because he was Obama's vice president. They, they were going to be your lefties who put no thought into check marking blue and just picking off the optics. Um, and there was this concerted effort by Obama on the eve of Super Tuesday to have Pete, um, Amy, and Bloomberg all kind of drop out of the race so that the only corporatist people could vote for was Biden versus Bernie. Um, and interestingly enough and telling enough, Elizabeth Warren stayed in the race um, and she was the only other major progressive and she took progressive votes away from Bernie. Um, so yeah. the most disappointing thing about the 2020 election was just the concerted effort to not let Bernie Sanders win because then there would be a progressive agenda. Um, and, and that's just the way that it's going to continue to be until there's an actual progressive that wants to stand up and fight the establishment. Um, right. But American also- citizens had the chance to vote in Bernie. Regardless of how evil the DNC was playing chess, the, the, the people had a chance to vote for Bernie over, over Biden. It was yeah. the people that fucked it up. It was and also you, the people you that say optics. Up. I don't know how the optics were in favor of Biden over Bernie anyway. Like, why would you favor a bunch of fake ass people like Buttigieg and, and those people? You can well, tell if, how fake if, they were. First of if, all, Pete was just like a copy of Obama. Yeah. Number one. Blah 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 blah. Number two. Number anyway. I I am really disappointed in the American population. Well, to be to, to be fair though, <laughs> I think you and I also had arguments leading up to why we should not vote for for Biden over Trump. And um, I I think a lot of normie lefties, and I I'm not saying you're a normie lefty, but a lot of normie lefties, they literally just take the word of MSNBC or whatever mm-hmm. is the popular right leaning, but put a leftist veneer over it uh broadcast on it and i think that um they just they just went with these mediocrity people because everybody was like oh pete can beat trump uh oh well he's not doing good amy can beat trump because she's a woman oh she can't do it well i guess we're gonna have to prop up biden even though he can barely function mentally or speak i mean come on the i man wipe is- my butt but the man is a walking death rattle. Like he's going to keel over at any moment. The fact that yeah. he hasn't yet is amazing. Um, yeah. And we're even more fucked because Trump is going to run again. And uh, I don't think Biden's going to be capable of running again. Um, God bless them if he does, um, which means that Kamala Harris is uh, going to be the presumptive nominee of the Democratic side. 
and uh, people kind of like hate her a lot. And she had to drop out before Iowa because she could get no traction. Um, so unless the Trump fear is really, really there, uh, it, we might be in for another four years of Trump. And that's very scary yeah. to me. Yeah, it is. Um, and that be- that wipe my butt statement was debunked. Just so anyone that's following that. Go ahead. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. All so right, anyway, <laughs> when it comes to socialism or not socialism, communism. Um, There's a lot of Marxists that'll debate uh, the efficacy of um, communism and its implications um, because Karl Marx was writing in a very different time. Uh, So the Communist Manifesto almost is, it's a very outdated document that needs to be updated to the modern world. Um, Russia at the time was also a very different place from what it is now. Um, You had a monarchy at the time that he wrote it. Um, a lot of people also, this is so much philosophical stuff that goes into communism. Uh, Karl Marx was the student of uh, Hegel and uh, he considered himself a Hegelianist. Um, so a lot of Marxists you will see are also into Hegel a lot, who is a big brain philosopher from either Germany or Austria, Germany. And, and, and his main thing was, which I agree with is that if you have a left and right system, which, which normal places do, you're just going to have extremism and then moments of mediocre middle, you know, just like we see here. It's like you have your extreme right, like Trump, and then you have your, you know, your extreme left, like I would say JFK was. Um, And then you have your mediocre assholes like Clinton and, Biden and Obama and all these people that don't actually do anything. Right. Yeah. Um, so so Hegel, Hegel, <laughs> Hegel, yes. Hegel is also, Hegel's very hard to read. Um, yeah. I've tried to read even the first 10 pages of the phenomenology of spirit and I was lost. There yeah. are people who have wrote theses on just single solitary paragraphs. Um, it's, <laughs> Uh, I, I really don't like reading old philosophers because they're yeah. such assholes when it comes to words. Um, but so in thinking of communism and the Communist Manifesto, you have to take into account that Karl Marx was a student of Hegel. And that was kind of a uter- a utopianist version of a response to his teacher. Yep. Um, so communism on its face It sounds really good if you read the Communist Manifesto because it does sound like it is a utopia. And that's why I think a lot of leftists tend to um, espouse communist ideologies or be okay with communist ideologies. Um, And then you will always have the far right conservative who is like, but uh, in in Russia, they they took all the, the people and they put them in the gulags and Mao killed 10 million people. And these numbers that a lot of far right conservatives like to use um, like the 10 million one. You'll hear that a lot when it comes to communism. How many people do we have to kill with communism before we realize that it is not a perfect form of government and that it's failed? The 10 million uh, Chinese people that died under Mao is a complete. I I think it's like 45 to a (laughs) hundred. Oh yeah. Sorry. You might be thinking about Stalin. I'm thinking about Stalin. Yeah. No, so yeah. the 45 million to 100 million that they claim Mao did, mm-hmm. um, that was based off of one far right conservative person's uh, research. 
it's an unsubstantiated number. It was in the millions, but 45 million to a hundred million is way, 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 way more. Um, but again, you can agree that communist China and communist Russia fucked up when they killed a ton of their own citizens. Well, yes, because communism comes down to totalitarianism, yes. um, which is you have a dictator or a head of dictators. Um, we could even look at the new Republic of China right now. They are a, they're a pretty communist state um, with an interesting like melding of like capitalism because they have a lot of billionaires, too. They're an interesting little project that is ultimately going to fail due to the capitalist aspects of it um but when it comes to communism it doesn't really work because you have people who are controlling everything at the top and making decisions for everybody at the bottom and making it they're making it as fair as they can um except for those at the top making the decisions um and usually when it comes to communist states you have to have a very strong military and it is usually a military leader who is in charge um and military leaders warlords in general who uh become the emperors of city states are just bad because the only way they know how to solve issues is through uh violence yeah um, yeah so it kind of it's kind of the opposite end of fascism because um that's the definition i was gonna give <laughs> yep um, because communism things are more fair, but there's a lot less freedom. So it comes down again to the argument of what do you want? Do you want more freedom or do you want more safety? And how much are you willing to give up to be safe? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so communism, it, it doesn't work in any modern context that we've seen um now a lot of people equate the word communist with socialist or socialism they will say uh venezuela is a communist state venezuela was a socialist state um that is having a military coup at this moment supported by the u.s government um and also the reason that people are starving in the streets in Venezuela, which nobody will tell you, is because the U.S. and a bunch of foreign powers have gotten together and decided to place embargoes on Venezuela so they cannot have medicine come in. They cannot have uh, food and supplies that they vitally need to come in because they are trying yeah. to starve out the current government um, yeah. and continue the Red Scare. Everything... Um, that the United States has done post-World War II has been in opposition to Russia and communist Russia and the Red Scare. Um, and that is why it is constantly hyped up to be the thing that it is. But socialism and communism are very different because, again, in socialism, people have the right and the voice to say everything and they have strong social safety nets. And in communism, you have the government dictating pretty much everything. Uh, they dictate... Yeah. They, they own all the means of production, um, and they they tell you how to live your life. Usually, eventually, yeah, the money just trickles upwards. Yeah, and usually in communist states, too, personal liberties and freedoms like um, religion and stuff like that are, are not allowed at all because that allows you to form an individualist um, sensibility. And in communist states, very much like fascist states, 
they want you to be as little of a thinking individual as possible because the yeah. less of a thinking individual you are, the easier you are to control. The individual yeah. lives to serve the state in communism, yeah. which is the greater good. And All now right. we'll do fascism. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we have a lot to cover still. <laughs> it's amazing. It's already been 43 minutes. I feel like we haven't really touched on anything, but we've gotten through democracy, communism, and socialism, and the differences of direct democracy and democracy. And I, differences. I, I think fascism will go pretty quick. <laughs> Hopefully, because I don't think many people are a fan of it. Um, there are some interesting tidbits, though, that yes. I'd like to get into. So fascism is a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist, dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition, and strong regimentation of society and of the economy which came to prominence in the early 20th century Europe. Um, so yeah, there's. I was watching a lot of videos about fascism this week, just trying to learn more about it because I didn't know a lot. Um, and I always did take the U.S. history approach, like what I was told by my teachers that the you know fascism is like uh, Nazism, like uh, hating on the Jews. But then I found out that uh, a lot of Jews were fascists in Italy when uh, you know fascism got started there. And that um, Hitler said his was what nationalist socialism or something like that. Yep, that's and right. uh, yeah, they both were authoritarian, and Italy just jumped on board with the uh, anti-Semitism because of Hitler's power, and then he was basically well, who is the dictator in Italy at the time? I Mussolini. can't believe I'm blanking. Yeah, Mussolini. Mussolini. So yeah, he uh, he bitched out. <laughs> and let uh hitler do his thing and that's why they went anti-semitic in italy yep but that was very interesting to me but yeah fascism is far right authoritarian and it's always nationalistic it's about isolationism it's about yep. being completely dependent independent and not needing anyone else yes any outside trade or any outside powers influencing anything you do yes um usually with fascism you'll see a lot of talk about um and this is how you can spot a white nationalist too. They'll talk about uh, maintaining their heritage or maintaining their self of sense of identity or maintaining their culture. Um, the interesting thing about that and a good argument to use against a nationalist is uh, culture is not, it, yeah, it's very fluid. Like no. the culture of the Midwest is completely different from the culture of the South, which is completely different from certain cities in Los Angeles to yep. uh, to San Francisco, very different cultures. Um, yeah. Cultures fluid, cultures always changing. Um, that's why you have eras like the early 2000s style to the 90s style to the 80s. Those are all cultural. Um, so really, when you see somebody talking about preserving their culture, that's a really big call out to the fact that they're a white nationalist. Yeah. Um, and they can argue that if they want. And if you feel attacked, um, you should probably re-examine how you feel about colored people because uh, you're probably got some deep racist things going on that you don't even know about. Watch our young from our tongues episode. <laughs> yeah. Deal with your shadow. <laughs> Go learn how to deal with it by watching that episode that nobody liked, but I loved. So yeah, that, yeah, right. That got like the least views, but we put like so much knowledge it, on that it's, one. It's it's too much truth for people. They could not maybe, handle it. Maybe they just don't like it. the more truthful we are, the less viewers we have. I don't know. Anyway, so fuck fascists. We'll get into <laughs> liberalism now. <laughs> yes. Now liberalism, interestingly enough, is what yeah. leads to fascism. Um, really? Yeah, because. 
liberalism eventually leads to um, conservatism because you hear a lot of people now who are what I would consider um, alt-right conservatives say that they are classical liberals. Um, liberalism is the death of democracy because it leads to neoliberalism, which leads to conservatives, which leads to fascism. So how does liberalism, because the definition of liberalism is willingness to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own and openness to new ideas. The second definition of liberalism is a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise. And I think the part you're talking about is the free enterprise thing, because that usually leads to neoliberalism. Well, also think about civil liberties. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, the problem with liberalism is there's too much of a focus on the not so much the greater community, but the individual state um, and how your um, your relationship with the state. Um, so a lot of liberals, they tend to be more artistic and sympathetic to left leaning causes. Um, but the problem with liber liberalism is it still props up free enterprise and capitalism. Um, and anything that has in its main definition um, the protection or discussion of free enterprise is eventually going to lead to more conservative values. Um, yeah. neo Neoliberals are what is destroying the left in this country. Um, you so want me to throw out that definition? Yeah, go ahead. Neoliberalism is associated with policies of economic liberalization, including privatization, deregulation, globalization, free trade, austerity, and reductions in government spending in order to increase the role of the private sector in the economy and society. Right. And so yeah, that leads to like, um, shit, what is it? Libertarianism is very similar, just in the fact of, you know, should be able to do whatever you want regarding trade and, and industry. And don't take the earth into consideration or how many people are being exploited into consideration because they should have made better choices for themselves. So fuck them. And we're just going to do what we want to do. Yeah. So it, th those three ideologies kind of all plateau into one another because you have liberalism, neoliberalism, and libertarianism. They all lead to fascism. They all do lead to fascism. Yes. Because, again, you're talking about uh, free enterprise. Now, they liberals are more open-minded to ideas um but just because you're open-minded to ideas doesn't necessarily mean that those ideas are good and a lot of liberals i see are very lazy liberals who um they they like to talk about social issues uh, but they don't like to talk about broader economic and socioeconomic issues as it pertains to the quality of life of the majority of people um, so they like to get caught up in these cancel culture wars and things that we talked about in our last episode. Um, and they don't actually produce any positive change. Um, liberalism always goes back to neoliberalism. Liberalism is like for, for, uh, it's something that old like young fascist conservatives can like feel good about themselves in their 40s and their 50s when they like kind of become a little bit more woke and maybe a little bit less racist um that's how i see most liberals 
they were usually tend to have been con- very conservative and they're still very conservative minded. They're just less racist um, right. openly yeah. and um, more willing to discuss uh, social ideas without actually affecting any change. Yeah, that's that's what we're currently living in. Ne- neoliberal bullshit. It's um, for anybody who hasn't seen Bo Burnham's <coughs> newest special. He has a song called How the World Works. And uh, one of my favorite lines in that is, uh, neoliberal fascists are destroying the left. And that's an interesting phrase that he picked up on because neoliberal fascist, um, because liberals and neoliberals can be just as fascist as fascists are. Um, it's just put in a veneer of, uh, I care about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, I care about, I care about Brown people. I, I care about, uh, black communities, but, and I'll put Black Lives Matter in my Facebook banner, but when it comes to actually enacting political uh, change or to talk of potentially doing reparations for people, um, then then I'm out. Then yeah. then then no, I don't like it. Uh, a, a perfect example of liberals are uh, the the people on the View. Very small brain. Liberals mm-hmm. are small brain small brain people. They're lazy lazy people when it comes to uh doing anything other than voting for their favorite politicians yeah so yeah liberalism hate it hate liberalism uh really hate neoliberals really 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 hate libertarians um especially because libertarians aren't at least in this country libertarians aren't what libertarianism actually is because they're all about the free market and um if you know, a business fails or goes under, then that's your own fault because there wasn't a market that you were serving, right? But then right. you have Rand Paul and all these libertarians giving money to businesses like Amazon to build facilities in in their states, like in giving them tax breaks and stuff. That's not that is not free enterprise, my friend. That's not libertarian at all. Like you you don't understand the concept. So, uh, I mean, yeah. there's different libertarian philosophies, and I think that's one of them. Letting letting big money decide where big money wants to go is definitely freedom of enterprise in one sense. Yeah. Um, libertarians like also with- don't believe in vaccines and masks, so that just makes them objectively stupid. Hmm. Onward. Um, <laughs> anarchism. <laughs> and earlier, I don't think you meant you hate them. You hate their ideas, right? I mean, you don't no, hate I them. No, I hate anybody beings. who is does not want to wear a mask like you would kill them you hate them um if i we're gonna go back to my like world government thing oh, no. um <laughs> if i were leader of the free world which wouldn't be free because i'd be leader of it and you didn't want to wear a mask um yeah I, w- I would throw you in prison for 10 years yeah just for not wanting to wear a mask because you're, you're <clears throat> when it comes down to the mask argument it's a very simple argument all right Wear a mask, not for yourself, but for others around you. And that, that yeah. is this stupid American ideology that I cannot stand, whether you're left or right leaning, is we have this ideology in America of, um, well, what about me? It's all about how I feel. Um, that's why we don't have things like free college and Medicare for all and things like that. Because the first thing you hear is, how are we going to pay for it and are my taxes going to go up? Listen, if your taxes go up, 5%. But if you go to the hospital 
and the bill is paid for and you don't have to pay fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, that's an amazing thing. And if you never have to go to the hospital and you're lucky enough and you still have to pay, pay 5%, then you're doing that for other people. And that's an well, amazing thing. They would also argue that the government sucks at everything they do so far. Why would I trust them with my health care? Which is pretty valid, but I would say there's probably people in the government that are purposely making um, the bureaucracy difficult. Like if you try to go get, I don't know, food stamps or something, you have to jump through, I don't know how many hoops to get it or, you know. Just- oh, yeah. No, in this country, things are purposely made hard to get because um, they don't want to have to pay it out. Right. Um, but also in other countries, too, which is great. Um, unlike this country, it... it in this country, everything is capitalized. Like the perfect example is the uh, the IRS tax system, right? In other countries, if you don't pay enough taxes, the government sends you a bill. If you pay too much taxes, they send you the amount back. You don't have to do any of this paperwork. They just do it automatically. So all the bureaucratic tape that is in this country is purposely meant to screw people out of as much money as possible. Um, And that's the most irritating part about it because you can have tons of bureaucracy and tons of useless jobs that just impact people in a much more positive way than the way that we do it. Yep. Um, Because a lot of people like libertarians, like Rand Paul will say, we need smaller government, right? Um, Which fine, you want smaller government, but you can have big government with a bunch of bureaucratic jobs and people who get paid to fucking watch paint dry on a wall for all you want and be more productive than a lot of the bureaucratic institutions that we currently have. It's just an allocation of resources and what we're doing with them. So anarchism, my favorite, this is probably what I uh, am the closest to. Yeah. Um, Anarchism is a political philosophy and movement that is skeptical of authority and rejects all involuntary coercive forms of hierarchy. Anarchism calls for the abolition of the state, which it holds to be undesirable, unnecessary, and harmful. As a historically far-left movement, it is usually described alongside libertarian Marxism as a libertarian wing, libertarian socialism of the socialist movement, and has a strong historical association with anti-capitalism and socialism. Um, I would say when I was all the way up to 30, I was definitely anarchistic. Um, Definitely, to this day, don't like authority. Um, But again, after the Trump years, I cannot trust the people around me to make good decisions. I mean, even to to the day, this this, this coronavirus bullshit. It's like uh, there's a virus going around, but because we have so much distrust of a government, we think the government's trying to kill us with the vaccine or something. Like there's, I get that there's misinformation surrounding the virus. I, I get that the government should not be trusted, but again, like my main question is why is it all about you? Again, you know, like why can't you care about everyone around you? And, and anarchism would only work if people were empathetic to those around them. Yes. You know? Well, the, the ultimate end goal of, what I would define as socialist or communism is, is an abolition of the state and the most free form of freedom. Right. Um, so anarchism, I think a lot of people, when they think anarchism, they think things like, uh, like fight club 
or yeah. the Unabomber. Yeah, um, just go like, out and kill anyone you want, and there'd be yeah. no consequences. No, that, that's that, all they the, the, the ultimate goal of the anarchism is, again, the abolition of state, because you see the state as an oppressive force, um, which in most places in the world, there's some form of government, um, and most forms of government at the end of the day are oppressive in some ways. Um, like, America is the land of the free, but rights to get an abortion or collect rainwater are like not a thing. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting. So the ultimate goal of far left movements is eventually the complete abolition of state in a utopian society where in everybody kind of does their own thing without harm to one another. Um, it's very idealistic, but it mm. is not, conducive to the advancements that we have made as a species um yeah. unfortunately unfortunately there are good i like to rip on capitalism a lot but there are some decent aspects to capitalism um yeah. and one of the things that you can see in government working alongside capital in a good way was the very fast streamlined production of a vaccine for this virus. Um, so there are good aspects, but the bad aspects far outweigh the good. Um, I would like yeah. to eventually see something like the true democracy, like we were talking about at the very beginning. Um, yeah. that, that's the most ideal form. But to have that ideal form of government, um, the current institutions that we have would have to be completely broken down, um, which would be anarchy. And another thing about the destruction of institutions and the abolition of government is typically when you do that, there's a vacuum that happens. And then the guy with the biggest gun kind of becomes the leader. Um, yeah. So at the we're end of the weird. day, it's nice to fantasize about blowing up Citibank and erasing everyone's credit scores. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's um, probably not realistic. Um, so I think most people would describe me as like a, a far left anarchist, um, maybe even communistic in a sense, because I do think that the state does need to kind of corral and kowtow people into certain ways of like prisons, for example, like prisons are very exploitative, but you kind of need them um, because there are always going to be people who do things that are not um, conducive deemed, to society. Yeah. They're not conducive to society. Um, uh, by no means do I think we should have a death penalty. And by no means do I think that we should have the prison systems that we have here in the U S where you're exploiting prisoners and stuff. Um, I'm much more in favor of rehabilitation over um, over locking people in a cage to like go crazy. Yeah, we disagree um, there. If there is a full-fledged like full fledged rapist or murderer, I'm putting a bullet in their head if I'm running the show. I'm not well, rehabilitating the only shit. reason the only reason I'm against the death penalty, I guess here we could probably get into kind of like what our ideologies are. Um the only reason I'm against the death penalties is because there are so many um, people that have been put to death that have actually been innocent of the crimes yeah, yeah. that they're accused of. Um, but like, if you could, yes, if you could demonstrably pr prove that somebody was uh, 
a, a child molester or something like that, I would 100% be in favor of chemical castration like they do in some countries. And like, letting them live. Um, live in a hole. I'd let a machine rape them until they bled to death. I mean, oof, well, this video is never getting monetized now. <laughs> You're doing so well. It'll be a, it'll be a knife dildo, you oh, fucking man. sick fuck. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm pretty pacifistic for the most part when yeah. it comes to the extinction of, of humans. Um, but there are certain people in society that, yeah, they probably should be drawn up and quartered. Um, like all the people from the Bush and Obama administrations who perpetuated these awful wars, I would hang every one of those uh, war criminals by their toes up in the streets to be tarred and feathered. Yeah. Um, but yep. as far as prison systems as they, they go now, where they're just trying to get more more bodies in so that they can have right. free labor, like yep. that's not cool at all. But the the institution of prison, like and the abolishment of prison is is kind of silly, just like the the term abolish the police. Um mm -hmm. That's that's also a very silly concept. You you kind of do need a, a a force of people that is going to uphold certain aspects of the law. Um, yeah. When it comes to retraining, um, I'm totally for that. I'm totally for de-escalation training. I'm totally for giving more money to social workers and mm -hmm. uh, investing in other avenues um, so that we don't have this thug mentality. Uh, but there are there are some really good aspects of the way that America does things and the way that other European countries are doing things that are good. Um, my biggest issue is with capitalism as a whole, because it seems that wherever capitalism is allowed to run free in the free market, um, it tends to turn into an oligarchical state, which I think most people know nowadays what yeah. oligarchy is. It, it's essentially the, the upper 1% dictating the policies of the lesser it's it's almost totalitarianism and fascism but not quite because it's corporations calling the shots it's more than not one necessarily person. individuals right it's not an autocracy it's, right. it's multiple people dictating which and is, that leads us that leads us to the the last topic i want to talk about is corporatocracy and that's oh, yeah. what All i right. think runs the world and okay. that's an economic uh, political and judicial system controlled by corporations and corporate interests uh, the concept has been used in explanations of bank bailouts, excessive pay for CEOs, as well as complaints such as the exploitation of national treasuries, people and natural resources, hence pipelines through Native American lands and whatnot. It has been used by critics of globalization, sometimes in conjunction with criticism of the World Bank or unfair lending practices, as well as criticism of free trade agreements. Corporate rule is also a common theme in dystopian science fiction media. So, yeah, man, freaking, um, what is it, RoboCop? That cheesy-ass movie summed it up nicely. Where are you at, Jared? There you are. Had so, to yeah. go. I had to go yell at some children to not, like, come back it's here. It's okay. And start we're, we're, we're almost done. But yeah. I just wanted to leave people with that cor corporatocracy as what we really have here. Not a representative democracy. Yep. Not anything like that. This is not a fucking republic. This nope. is a bunch of corporations controlling everything. Well, and that's an interesting thing that you're seeing the rise of, too. Um, and one of my favorite genres currently is uh, cyberpunk. Um, 
it's fast becoming one of my favorites because I'm a nerd who likes fantasy and science fiction and all that. Um, but I think the, the most interesting thing about the world that we're currently living in, <clears throat> especially here in like America, China, like the, the big superpowers is you're seeing this um, commoditization of uh, you're seeing this commoditization of like artificial intelligence um we have we now have systems that are so accurate at predicting things that you would want to buy that you i will think of something like oh, i should i should look into getting that and then like the next day and i never say it out loud i'm thinking of it the algorithm is giving me ads for that thing that i'm thinking of um so like things like you said like robocop blade runner um even cyberpunk 2077 the interesting thing about the cyberpunk genre is it's all about you're advanced in the future and you have artificial intelligence, you have, you know, robo limbs and stuff like that, but it is still corporations maintaining control of a consumerist society, which is what we are fast becoming. And usually Ooh. in cyberpunk, what? Sorry, I was just thinking of idiocracy and Soylent Green, just to throw two more on there. Yep. But yeah. But what you usually see in cyberpunk especially in in movies is a complete um breakdown of the environment um like it's always dark it's always raining there's pollution there's skyscrapers all the way up ads everywhere and it's mm -hmm. very monochrome and it's very lifeless and i think yep. that is <clears throat> i i would almost classify cyberpunk as kind of like post-apocalyptic except like there's not like a mass extinction or anything but it's very it's a very there, bleak outlook. There is. There's a mass extinction of the mind and free thought. Woof. I like it. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. That's why I deleted Facebook. If you don't see me on there, it's because I just can't take it. I can't take how empty everything is. Yes. Nobody says anything real. The minute you say something real, you get nothing. You say something really fucking superficial and shallow, you get a million likes. So fuck all of you. Fuck Facebook. <laughs> this is the dystopian world we're living in. We are, um, we are here. Yes, we're, <laughs> we're, we are fast approaching that. And <clears throat> the biggest question that we have to decide on as uh, people are, again, I think I mentioned it last time, the wealth inequality is so vast between the upper 1% and the bottom percent of the world that it is at a point that it was at the beginning of the French Revolution. Yeah. So and we all know how that went. Um, and being mainly pacifistic in nature, I don't think, especially with the advancement in military weapons that we have now that a, a coup or a revolution is going to do much good for the world other than, uh, billions of people will probably die. And that would be good for the environment of the earth because it would get a lot cooler. Um, yeah, but Aside from that aspect, which I don't want a mass extinction or exodus of people from the planet, um, I we have to we have to figure out a way where we can have workers have some rights in in over the means of production and try to curtail some of the the massive inequality of growth that we're seeing from companies and billionaires. Um, I think it should be very telling to people that 
the richest people on earth made $120 billion more last year during an epidemic than anybody right. else. And we all lost money. Um, so we're fast approaching that future. If you've watched movies like Elysium, where all the elites are like up on a perfect spacecraft in the sky and they have all the medicine and advancement that, that you could possibly want while all us workies workers are down here on earth. That is a desert, like trying to escape and get to the, to the oligarchs planet. That is, you're seeing a lot more movies and television shows like that because that is fast becoming the future. You don't really see any idealistic, uh, hopeful future istic movies anymore so yeah yeah and i i I just want to leave the people with with some things about the corporate rule and what it what it's leading to because i i think about the earth mainly when i think about things in the future we've lost uh six thousand seven hundred hecta acres how do you know hectares how do you even say that that's like how many how many acres is a hectare i don't know hey siri how many acres is a hectare? One hectare is 2.47 acres. Okay, so take 6,700 and multiply that by 2.47. That's how many acres have just been lost in forests today. And it's 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 11 a.m. And that's on a Saturday, you know? And right. 9,000 of those uh, hectares have been lost to soil erosion. There's been 46.8 million tons of CO2 emissions today. We've lost 15,000 hectares from desertification, and we've released 12,600 toxic chemicals into the environment today. And that's all just for, oh, I need to buy the new fucking iPhone. I need to buy a new computer. I need to buy a new bike. I need to go shop at some fast food venue. And and what the fuck, people? Consumerism is killing us all. So hit the like button. Subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I love dropping that. Next week, we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to flowers talk, and puppies. No, no, we're going to talk. Freeman. No, we're going to talk about um, the the Spanish uh, coming over here and uh, colonizing, and then why at the end of the day they didn't really wind up uh, owning having it. having like a big empire. Like they did have a big empire, but they didn't. That's because weird, right? Yeah, it's very odd, and we don't know. Maybe they do have a big empire, and we're just stupid, and we have no idea. No, no, I, I study geography every day. <laughs> they don't own hardly anything. <laughs> it's just odd. It's, it's like just they went odd. out and raped everyone and then sold the lands to England and France and Netherlands and Port- right. uh, Portugal and, you know. So we're going to we're gonna get into that. Um, maybe we'll branch off and we'll talk a little bit about cyberpunk since that's that, that seems to be something that you're a little hot on. You, you got a little angry. I liked it. Um, <laughs> and then I, I eventually, I think we should stick with the, the theme of South America because I don't think, I think we tend to talk about like China a lot. Yeah. We tend to talk about Europe and even yeah. Africa, but I don't think we really have discussed um, a lot of about South America and the issues that it's had and the, the socialist um regime that it used to have and how like great it was before the capitalists came in Um, that's where we're losing a lot of force right now is south america yeah um they had they have like the largest rainforest on the world and we are we're eating those up quickly to make fields for cattle 
so that yeah. we can slaughter them. It's yep. stupid. It's very Bolsonaro stupid. and McDonald's just going at it. Yep. So um, next episode will be the Spanish, um, and then we'll decide on a, a couple more topics, and we'll let you guys know next week. So if you liked it, like, share, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. And I, and I didn't really mean fuck you all. I just was meaning that Facebook causes me anxiety. So anyway, have a no, good day. No, he meant it. He meant <laughs> well, it. Well, maybe partially. But, you know, get at me. Pull up on me. I want to talk about it. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. All right. Take care.